Thanks for tapping into some Untapped Keg podcast where we discuss sobriety and mental health so that you can hopefully take something, implement it into your own life, where we believe there's only one right way to sobriety, and that's the way that works for you. I'm your host, RJ Zimmerman, and today I am lucky enough to be joined by Legend. Legend is a spoken word artist, gospel hip-hop artist, podcaster, and preacher and speaker who uses transparency to connect and art to communicate with his listeners. Inspired by his father's battle with addiction, Legend speaks about fatherlessness to forgiveness as well as racial reconciliation and urban apologetics, amongst other topics, and the hope of the gospel in his music. How are you doing today, Legend? Thanks for joining me. Man, what's up, Dave? How are you? I'm good. I'm good. My kids are off school today, so it's uh, get, you know, just kind of like survive and get through the day kind of a day, which is okay. It's a solid day. <laughs> you got a, you got the proton pack behind you, so if they get out of line, you can, you know, make things happen. <laughs> I mean, really, yeah, I, this is really for busting the ghosts of people's drinking past so that, you know, they can move forward <laughs> and create the unicorns and rainbows of their future. Bro, like the way you tied all the branding into your background visual is massive. <laughs> and I didn't even know how to do that because I've got a, a, a off-white backdrop that's really boring. <laughs> that's how mine used to be. That's it. Just piece by piece coming in as I'm like making jokes. I'll just take them and I'll run with it. And I will bury them in the ground. It's just like... <laughs> yeah, bro, it's working for you, bro, because I just got to think all the regular jokes I go to and then start to you know, design my background. Perfect. There you go. There you go. And then it brings the laugh to it right away. That's <laughs> <laughs> the first thing I saw, bro. No, I love it. I appreciate it. So, Legend, why don't you give us a little background um, how you got started doing your work and really what it's about. Yeah, man. So, um, as it relates to, I always start with my life story because as it relate, and it relates a lot to your message and mission. My dad, uh, my mom and dad were married for 10 years, very happily. Uh, dad uh, had a good news job. Mom was in PR. And around the time I was born, 10 years in, uh, my dad lost both of his parents kind of in close proximity after I was born. And his first son was here and he leaned a little bit into the alcohol uh, to, to cope with all the stuff and became an alcoholic in addition to some drug things. So, uh, you know, he changed. And now my mom was finding herself dealing with rehab and all these types of things. And after three failed rehab attempts where he did something to make it very clear to her, he was deciding to not fight anymore. Uh, she had to decide between her marriage and her son. Um, so she moved back to Virginia Beach, which is where I am now. And um, so my dad went back to D.C. and lived the you know, alcoholic addicted life. And I didn't see him uh, except for one, one, another failed attempt. I didn't see him until I was 20 years old. Uh, so 15 years of, of being out of my life, really. Um, and at 20... He wrote me a letter wanting to apologize for being absent, for letting alcohol take over. So he came down to Virginia Beach. We had dinner together. We had a great time. And at that dinner, he asked, would you please forgive me? Um, and I told him, no, I'll never forgive you for what you did to me. Um, and, I, and, and for me, as the son of uh, the dealing with the alcoholic ramifications, I enjoyed the opportunity to hurt him back and reject him for a change. Uh, that doesn't mean it was right, but it sure didn't feel right. Um, and so, you know, carry this back six months later. Um, this is just my story. This is what happened. Uh, I'm selling insurance. Uh, a lady walks into my office and says, 
don't know why I'm here, but God told me to tell you that if you don't get that hatred out of your life, you'll never make it into the kingdom of heaven. And I said, wow, that was really incredibly rude. Like he just ruined my whole day. Thanks. So, <laughs> <laughs> How dare you? Who does that on a Tuesday? What's wrong with you? Um, but yeah, I just, I wasn't in the church of faith for Jesus. I didn't care about that stuff. Uh, but, but, you know, three months later I did all of them and I did say, Hey man, I'm gonna let it go. I forgive you for what you've done. And we had a really, really, really good conversation of forgiveness. She felt the chains fall off his shoulders. They fell off mine too. All of that stuff. Um, and, and, and it was great. And we're talking about getting together. Uh, but right after that phone call, he passed away. We never spoke again. Um, so it, it was this struggle of like, man, what if I'd have held on to my bitterness for one more week? And then also a three-part question for me in the faith perspective of like, well, God can't be real because why would he do this? This is, this is random. Or if God is real, he's pretty mean because why would you do that? Or um, God is real and he really cares about forgiveness and fixing broken things and mending relationships. And if that's who God is, I need him in my life. And, the, and then that's how I came to faith. And just through a series of events, I wanted to start to communicate my newfound hope in life uh, musically. So I went back to rapping and making music and I started to just do that. And, and then people started inviting me to speak. And I found out that I always tell the story about forgiving my dad. And it resonate with every crowd because everybody had daddy issues, has daddy issues, unfortunately. Uh, so it became like a launching point for everything I do when I'm talking about racial reconciliation and forgiveness. Or we're talking about fighting human trafficking is protecting vulnerable kids who don't have parents that protect all, all it all goes back to the root of who I am and and the super my superpower has been uh, the power of forgiveness like learning how important forgiveness is to let the debt go and that there's a difference between uh, forgiveness justice trust and reconciliation and a lot of people struggle with knowing the difference so therefore they don't know if they can forgive without trusting and all those things so um yeah man so that's that's me and and I rap and I speak about that You had a real, a couple really, I mean, the whole story is amazing. And there were a couple points that really stuck out to me that I, will, I want to touch on quick. And Never. one of those is you mentioned the importance of understanding words that we use, right? Forgiveness, reconciliation, justice, and I forgot Trust. the last. Trust. And that's something that I've really come to understand through my journey is mm. we tend to take these words that are used a lot, especially in like the healing, the growing, the spiritual space. And we just use them mm. without thinking about what the definition is. What was it that led you to differentiate those and be able to take those and show how they're related? But these words mean different things. And you yeah. know, Sometimes it's subtle, but it's just subtle enough that something clicks when all of a sudden you get that definition. Yeah, no doubt. Thanks thanks for asking. I feel like I had somebody break down a portion of it for me somewhere and had me start to realize that forgiveness is not reconciliation, for example. But I don't remember exactly where that, that path started, but where it, where it landed for me and where I started to dig into it myself was when I was talking about forgiveness and letting debt go and all that. Then I had a girl... Um, uh, come up to me who had been sexually abused and and, and and this happened more than one time and essentially her question was 
okay, cool. So, so in order to forgive them, that means I have to like let them back into my life and let them back into my house because otherwise I haven't honestly forgiven them. But I was like, no, 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 I'm not, I'm not saying that. Like if they abuse you and they haven't changed and or even if they have changed but they're still trauma, like stay away. Like so, so I started to correct it in in public forum, and then and then other people come up and say, bro, there's no way I can I can let go of what they did to me. I can't forgive them and and because then because then what about what about them paying for what they did? I was like, no, no, no. Like you just. If they if they abuse you, you can still call the police. Like go do that. Like tell us, do it now. Like I'll help you. Like so. Like it's just um, I, I started seeing there was a differentiating factor where people either felt guilty if if they forgave somebody but still or were trying to forgive but they still had feelings. They felt like they couldn't they couldn't forgive. But they they were lying about their forgiveness if they still felt hurt by what they needed to forgive the person for. And I was like, bro, that's human. You're still gonna feel it. I still heard about my dad. That was almost two decades ago. Like it still hurts. You know what I mean? So um, I started breaking those down because I noticed there was a difference. And the way I broke them down is this. It's just forgiveness is simply letting the debt go. It's letting the debt go. So you you say an offensive word to me or you steal $5 off the counter that's mine from me. When I forgive you, I'm saying you don't need to pay me back. You don't need to apologize. I'm letting the debt go because the entire time I'm angry because I'm carrying the debt of you never said sorry you never paid me back my $5. And since you haven't paid it, I'm carrying the debt. So I'm walking around with it on my show. And forgiveness is simply saying, hey, man, I released that debt. You don't have to apologize. You don't have you don't have to pay me back the five bucks. Whether you do or don't, I forgive you. And, you know, it's the credit card, the forgiveness stuff, the step thing, right? So it's letting the debt go. Um, justice is getting paid back. It is saying, hey, man, you know, you did come and apologize. You did pay me my 5 you did do that. And whether I wanted it back or not at this point, I forgave you like, but okay, I'll take it. You know what I mean? Like thanks for coming and saying sorry. Um, trust is something that is earned. Like forgiveness is given, but trust is earned. So when somebody is like, Hey, um, I paid you the five bucks back. Can I still come back? Can I come back over the house and play call of duty? Like, no, I don't trust you. You might steal five dollars again. Like, you know what I mean? You're still a thief, bro. Like I <laughs> thanks for having me back. You don't pay me back because you got caught. I, I don't trust you in my house, but if you have shown me over a course of time that you were changed as a person, or whether you have or haven't, I just want to give you the opportunity to earn my trust back. I'll I'll let you do that. And over the course of time, when I see that you're not, you're a different person. Maybe you'll earn my trust again. But that's on the part of the forgiver to give the opportunity for trust to be earned. Um, and the last thing, man, is reconciliation. Reconciliation is just getting getting back to where we were before the offense or the, or the harm happened or getting to where we should have been or getting further. And, but that requires both people being willing to walk that out together and, and giving trust and forgiving, receiving and all that stuff. Um, you can have, uh, you, you can have the first one forgiveness without the last three, right? So if you don't get the justice, if you don't trust them and if, and if you don't, then inherently there's no reconciliation. Uh, but you can still let the debt go. That's 100% in my hands in your right? Uh, but you can't have the last three without the first one. You can't have the last three without forgiveness. And so when some, when people started, to, when I started to break that down, those same crowds of people would be like, okay, so I can let the debt go of this person who offended me, who left me, who abandoned me, who hurt me. I can let the debt go of waiting for them to say sorry before I'm okay. I can let that go. Um, but uh, I don't have to trust them. 
and and they may they may be unhealthy and never pay me back, and therefore we never reconcile, and, and that's okay too. Like it would be better if all four things happened, and I would want them to happen. But if they don't, I'm still free, and I still want them to be free eventually. So um, that's that's the difference. I mean, does that does that make sense? Yeah, and the way that you and I both define forgiveness is very similar. Oh yeah, and this i've 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 struggled with forgiveness for i was a grudge holder right i would hold a grudge hey you know the two-year-old that took my sucker in uh preschool like i still know who it is i know how he's doing it i know i'm doing better than him like right, right. like that's the type I'm of grudge that he'll hold 30 years later. <laughs> <laughs> and you know i'm being a little facetious and going deep with that but i really was a grudge holder and I started to realize like when I was on this healing and growth journey, I started to notice my energy, like where the center was. I noticed when I was calm, how it felt, how it felt when I was angry, when something wasn't right. And I was like, it was out of, out of whack. And now I know that's my nervous system for the most part, but that's how I started to look at my body was the energy that I have, where am I putting it? Where is it best benefiting me? And all of a sudden I had a realization with forgiveness that forgiveness is just where I'm going to put my energy going forward. It's mm. still holding the person accountable. It's not giving them a free pass and it's not saying that, you know, you, you, I forgive you to the point of reconciliation. Like you're saying what it is, is it's saying, you know what? You've taken enough energy from me. I'm going to take my energy back and I'm going to put it into something that's going to help me move forward. Mm -hmm. And that moment was so powerful for me because that was the moment I was able to internalize it, to actually understand what I meant by for forgiveness. Mm -hmm. And the biggest person that I had to forgive was myself. Mm -hmm. So now when I still hold myself accountable for things that I did that are not in alignment with who I am, it's okay that I'm going to take that energy and I'm going to move forward, but I'm still going to hold myself accountable and make sure I'm doing better moving forward. Yeah. That's a big fact. And that was something that all of a sudden I'm like, whoa, okay. This is, this is something I've struggled with for so long. Mm -hmm. And I was, I was deep into self-hatred. I was deep into self-loathing. Mm -hmm. And like, now all of a sudden I could just be Okay. All right, let's do better going forward. I'm okay. That's fine. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I'm with you, man. You know, people say that um, forgiveness is not for the other person; it's for you. Um, and I agree with the sentiment of that statement. And and the reason I think it, the statement developed was because forgiveness was always about the other person getting off, right? Yeah. Um, but but uh, and so so when we focus on one end of it, we tend the pendulum swing to the other side. And so now forgiveness isn't about them; it's about you. And there's truth in that, but I just think it's a both and. I don't think it's mm -hmm. that. I think, I think when, when I forgave my dad, it was like you could tangibly feel chains fall off of this man's shoulders. Like you could feel him through the phone clank and hit the ground. Is how it felt. It was just something about that moment of just, thank you, sir. Thank you so much. Something about that moment, right? But I'm thinking I'm doing him a favor. And then when I forgive him, I felt like I was like, wait, I didn't know I needed to. You know what I mean? Like, you yeah. know, um, 
And so it's it's a both hand, man. And then, you know, and if you're in a situation where you're forgiving somebody who doesn't, who ain't going to say sorry, they don't want forgiveness. They just, they just suck in their morals. Right. Um, you know, even, even the act of forgiving them for you because they're not seeking it. They don't want it. They're not searching it out. They don't care. The testimony that you set from saying I'm forgiving you and you don't deserve it, but I'm going to forgive you anywhere. Uh, that, that potentially does something for them to set an example of what sacrificial love looks like uh, that may impact them later on down the road. So you still end up doing it, doing it for them in a way, uh, whether they get the benefits or not. So I, I think it's just, it's a both and about the power of, of forgiveness. And, and that, that self-forgiveness thing you said is really dope too. That's, I think, I think, I think most of our life is externally focused because that's where our eyes are targeted on everything outside. Uh, we don't think about the internal piece, which is significantly more important because it impacts everything external. So I think I'm, I think that's really glad. It's really dope that that's how you redirected your energy. That's cool. I appreciate that. And I, like the way that you describe it too is you can feel it. Like you can feel that power there that yeah. you had and like how this could lift that weight that I've been carrying forever. Yeah. That's a fact. For no reason. <laughs> I mean, there is a reason, right? There's a reason you were hurt. You were there's a reason you were carrying it. Yeah. You didn't have to carry it for so long. And like didn't that. have to. Hmm. Well, it's because the debt is you're waiting you're waiting for somebody to pay you back. You know what I mean? Yeah. And if they don't pay me back, I've got to carry this weight because I'm waiting. I gotta carry this weight, right? And and um I didn't realize man how heavy it gotten to me when I had the opportunity to let it go. I was like, No, nah, I wanna hurt you a little bit more. Yeah, deserve it. And I wasn't wrong. He did deserve no. it. You know? Uh, but it's just this is where my faith comes into play. It's this piece of it's this piece of uh the Latin Imago Day, right? Image of God. If I if I believe what I believe in the scriptures and the Bible that every person I see is made in the image of God. Um, that's my starting place of any relational conversation. It's, they just have inherent dignity, value, and worth. Okay, where they come from, what they look like, how they vote, whatever. None of that matters. To me. Um, and it relates to even the people that you don't like, that are enemies, that hurt you. Um, this person has dignity, value, and worth, and now they're not living up to it, and they misuse uh, uh, what's what's been given to them to harm me. Um, still, though, when I can walk in forgiveness, I can offer that person that reminder or that teaching uh, in the act of forgiving you when you don't deserve it because I am not waiting for you to earn this forgiveness and this freedom. I want to give it to you simply because you are. You don't deserve it and I don't deserve to be, to be hurt and you don't deserve to carry that burden. So I'm going to do my part of forgiving you for me and for you and I hope that you get the benefits of this one. So um, that that comes from that for me is that, that image of God piece. When your dad originally came in and had that dinner with you and you got the chance to kind of get him back a little bit, right? For those years that he wasn't there. Okay. Was it cathartic at first and then it weighed on you because you, you realized how angry you still were, even though you were able to dish a little bit back or was it, just almost a reaction where you didn't even think that it was just what happened. I think it was just a reaction because my initial 
So I don't think I don't think it was. I don't remember feeling any cathartic relief or anything like that. I remember just this is what I'm going to do, um, and the hardening of the heart that happens. I don't even mm. feel that. It just was like I'm committed to rejecting you, and no matter what that does, this is what I'm going to do. So I, I wasn't even thinking about man, this is long term pain for me, and then I wouldn't think about that stuff. I didn't care. Like I was twenty, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, um, and, uh, yeah. But uh, I just, I don't, I, I think it was reactionary because my, what surprised me was the good dinner that we had because my whole agenda with the meeting was just to walk up to him, punch him in the face and leave. Like that was the whole point of the fit. That was, that was the little And, and uh, when I saw him, I, I tapped him on the shoulder and he's turning around. I'm getting, I'm getting ready to swing. And I see his, I kept catch a glimpse of his eyes and they're like super dark yellow, just messed his life up, body up. Like he just looking horrible 50s looking like much older and i'm just like and and it just had to be the great cigar because in that moment i had had a, a overwhelming sense of pity like man you wasted everything you had a woman that loved you, you had a son that adored you had a great career um and i just kind of was like i felt bad for him and, and it didn't make any sense because i didn't come there to feel bad for him i came there to hurt him back um god blessed him man and um and then i was like well let's just We'll go eat, I guess. And then we just had, we had a really good dinner. Like we laughed, we joked, we were telling corny jokes. I was like, ah, that's where I get this from. I tell corny jokes. My mom doesn't. I do. It's from him. Like it was just, we had a, you know what I mean? Like it was just yeah. my only adult moment seeing where I came from on that stuff. And, um, and we, and so, so the surprise was the enjoyment we had. Um, but I came there with the intention to hurt him. So I think when he asked for forgiveness, I just settled back in the nah, man, it's time to hurt you back. You know what I mean? Yeah. And it, that is so, it's relatable. It's, you know, that's, you're 20 years old. I mean, <laughs> shit, if you're 40 years old, 50 years old, I know. Right. It, it's understandable. Like, it's it's human. And talking and describing, like, what your dad looked like when you saw him and then that pity that you felt, yeah. it's something that, um, I wonder how many people have had something similar where somebody who has hurt you so bad and you take a look at them and you finally see them and all of a sudden it's like you're not this evil person that I thought And but that doesn't mean you don't protect yourself that doesn't mean that doesn't mean you don't protect yourself. Yeah. yeah that doesn't mean that you just reconcile like you were saying and yeah uh, I'm I'm so glad that you got to experience that forgiveness and experience giving it to him. That is something that's special. And you could tell just how important it was in your life, how life changing it was. Yeah, man. And I think, I think walking in forgiveness and, and protecting yourself and having good boundaries, but doing the work and doing the care. I think that that's also part of honoring the image of God too, because if it's true for them, it's true for you. So you take care of you. Is being honored to the image of God. You know what I mean? Because we always think about that again, externally focused. Um, but I mean, literally, Jesus says this: the the greatest commandment is to love God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and then love your neighbor as yourself. Like he, we in in church circles, we leave off the as yourself part because, well, you know, that's selfish, and you both focus on everybody else. And I I honor the heart behind that, but the literal words were, um, take care of them like we want to take care of you. That's the literal words. So, like, how how then 
on if I'm going to forgive and take care of and man, you should get some, this is what I did for the longest time. I, I, for the longest time, I would push people to count things that I knew needed it while avoid going myself. Yeah. <laughs> like just think if you actually treated your neighbor, how you treated yourself, how crappy would you treat everybody else? Like, mm, interesting. that's such a, I know that's not everybody, but I think a lot of the people listening to this podcast to are healing and growing. That is such a major, I know it was for me, a major sticking point of I'm such a piece of shit. And the only reason that I caught that was because my kids came in on a day I was feeling particularly low and they yelled, daddy, I love you. I missed you. And my thought was, how could you love such a piece of shit? What is wrong with you? And I held it against my own children that they loved their father. And that, because I was where I was at on my healing journey and my self-awareness, I caught the self-critic that was there. Mm. And I was like, wow, I hate myself. Mm. This goes back far. And like, that was the moment. That was the moment where it was, okay, I must be wrong about that. I must be wrong about thinking about the type of person I am. I must be wrong about so much when it comes to myself. So if I say I love these people, why don't I believe them when they have to say that I'm worth loving? And now I can't take, because I'm so deep in it, I can't take looking at myself and saying, hey, I love you. Like, oh my God, you look so sexy. Like, I just love you so much. No, that wasn't going to work. So it was, okay, how do I go from being stuck in reverse so far that it won't shift at all to just get to neutral? Yeah. And that's where it's, you know, just look at it and say, I'm okay. And that is so much higher than where I was at, just from self-loathing to neutral, that even the gap between neutral and actual loving, which I'm not at right now, I will readily admit, but I'm still working on building that up. Yeah, And that gap between just getting to neutral, it just changes everything. It does, God. You know, I I, I, uh, I used to feel unworthy of compliments. Yeah. Like, I'm very competitive by nature, so, like, I don't like to lose. But then I would win and, like, kill the game or something. But, like, no, that was amazing. I'd be like, oh, okay, cool. I just let it roll up. I went, yeah. Yeah, I fought to this. And I got it. <laughs> Same. So, I... Uh, you know, I, I send people to marriage counseling, bro. I send people to therapy for personal things, uh, help people with self-harm situations and daddy issues. But I knew for years I needed counseling, bro. And I was like, at first it was just the, the cultural line. Oh, that's for those people. You know what I mean? Yes. But then eventually I knew I was avoiding it. And I decided to just keep avoiding <laughs> And uh, it was November or so, 2019, and woke up. My wife and I, we don't argue like that for real, but we had a blow up joint, right? Blow up argument. And um, I wake up like on three, four in the morning, I wake her up and I'm like, that was not you. That was me. I'm really sorry. I really got to, I got to stop playing and go get therapy. So what I did was I pro- procrastinated some more. It didn't go. And then uh, in January, January, 2020, I was out to breakfast with a, with a pastor friend of mine. And he was just telling me, yeah, I go to therapy for this, that, that. My wife and I go. And I was just like, all right, Lord, this is the last, this is the last stop. I'm going to, I'm going to stop playing. 
And so I was like, bro, who do you see? Just tell me. And he told me, and I knew the guy. So I called him, like, I need to come in. And I literally went in, um, I think, end of February or something like that, like I was telling. And, it was, and then we went on vacation, came back. As soon as we came back, COVID hit, and everything shut down. And so I had no choice but to just go to counseling and come home because I couldn't travel anymore. Um, and that turned out to be a blessing to me personally. Like, uh, just, I just put that therapy and healing. And he challenged me, oh, why don't you? Why don't you let me get compliments? I was like, bro, I've always struggled with them. I just don't feel good enough to receive them. Even when I know with all practicality, like I, I, I earned this compliment. Like I killed it out. I just can't take it. And I just, and then I hid it under my religion. Like, oh, let's be being humble. Like, oh, no problem. Okay, thank you, nigga. Give all the glory to God. I just, all, this, all this crap I was doing just to like not take the blessing of a thank you from somebody was deep-rooted insecurity about who I was and how I saw myself. Um, and it was just really crazy that it was that deep. The other thing, man, related to what you said that, that, that came to my mind, um, and this is always something that's been, it's, it's freeing to say, but it's still a, a low-key embarrassing to admit. Uh, my son, I remember my son was in the crib. Like, he was in the, he was in the crib. And my, my, daughter's, my daughter's 13, my son is 10. But, I, but when I had my boy, I saw my dad and me, right? And so my little girl got me wrapped around the finger, right? Like it just is what, and my son does too, for real. But, uh, you know, that I saw that. You know, and I was like, I remember leaning over his crib, like, I wonder what this is like. Like, what is it like to have me here? What does this mean? And I remember in a, in a really unhealthy segment, being jealous of my own son that I was there for him. And bro, when I realized I was jealous of my son because I was a good dad, I was like, bro, this thing is layers deep, like layers deep. And, uh, and that hurt, man, when I realized that. That hurt. <laughs> I have a very similar story that changed the trajectory of my parent parenting. Um, my ex-wife and I were getting ready to separate and we're getting ready to leave and my kids are they don't know what mean is from a parent but we're telling them we have to get going put your shoes on and everything and my oldest goes he's probably three at the time um daddy you're mean you're really mean i don't like you you're mean and i'm just i'm frustrated and i'm annoyed because it's we're running on time and everything i'm just like you know what you don't know what mean is. I'll show you what mean is one day. And she goes, why are you getting so mad at a three-year-old? Are you jealous of him? And immediate reaction, no, I'm not. No, absolutely. But I sat and thought on it. And I was like, yeah, I am jealous that that's what he thinks mean is. And that made me realize how easy it is to fall into the generational cycle. And you saying that just brought it, brought it to like, that's the advice that I give to new fathers, new parents, make a childhood that you would be jealous of, not mm. in presence, not in physical gifts, not even in travel, but in you being there for them, the emotional space you give them and guiding them to be who they want to be. Yeah. And that'll make you a good parent. That's a fact, bro. That's a fact, man. That's crazy. That's 
that's crazy. She called that out. We caught it like later. Um, I uh, somebody said this to me once around, and uh, it was morbid at first, but actually a little freeing on the back end. And they said, um, I think it's a quote from somebody important, but I don't know. But I heard somebody say, they said, nobody leaves childhood unscathed. Mm. And I was like, wow, that's not what I want to hear. Um, my friend Quest, he uh, he had he had his son before I had my kid, and I was talking to him. Man, I got my first first kid on the way, and he told me, and I remember consciously like rejecting everything he told me. He said, "The man, I'm just gonna tell you right now, bro, do not try and be the perfect dad. Don't try it. Don't do it. Don't do it. Just be. Don't be the perfect dad." And I was like, "All right, cool. Yeah, I got you." And my dad, I'm like, "What? Kill me." And and it hit me a few years later when I realized my imperfections and like and I was just like, dang, bro, I should have if I'd have just listened to Quest on day one and went into Paris or went out this but I but I wanted my, my goal was you have to be this many levels better than what your dad was to you. Uh and that's a good starting point. I don't add I'm not I'm not anti that as a motivation. Uh but I put an unhealthy pressure on myself for perfection that that no man can achieve. Mm-hmm. Um so now when I get that phrase, nobody leaves childhood unscathed, it, it's simply a reminder. If I'm doing the best I can do to be healthy, if I'm seeking my health, if when I do make a mistake, one thing I, one thing I, my wife and I have always done very well is when we do make a mistake, we pull our kids to the side and we eye to eye and we say, I messed up, I apologize. Would you please forget? Like, versus that I'm, you know, whatever, I'm your dad. It's, you know, I'm not playing that game. And my kids are like rudely honest because of that, I think. But um, but that phrase of nobody leaves childhood unscathed now just is a marker for me of like, yeah, no no perfect parent is going to perfectly love their children, and and some of my crap is going to come out sometimes and my insecurities and the stuff I'm working on and I'm better now than I was three years ago because of counseling, but that's still three years of growth you had to deal with while I was growing, uh, and but but what has me excited is my kids are watching me grow, and I told them this is where I am. And you don't have to grow up with the absent, you know, irresponsible father. Um, you've never seen me drunk because I haven't been drunk because I don't want to be around this stuff. But I still have the insecurities passed on to me from that. Then now you still got to deal with it. Um, but I'm talking to you about it. And, um, and, and my thought process now is not how quickly can I heal to be the perfect man for them. It's the more I grow, the better shoulders they have to stand on. And my grandkids are going to reap the benefit of this work. And I, I'm thinking about that. My grandkids are going to, my son has no idea. My daughter has no idea what it's like to not have a dad around. Like these are stories, right? Um, and my grandkids, it's like going to be a distant memory. So I'm just, that's how I think about it now. Um, yeah, that's how I think about it. And when you think about it, there there are no people that get get out of childhood unscathed, but as a parent, the skills that you're equipping them with to, yeah, they're going to be, there's going to be pain. There's going to be hurt. Yeah. But they're going to be so well equipped, like you said, to be able to navigate life with these skills that we didn't know. Like our, honestly, our parents didn't have it, but we didn't understand mental health. Like we do now. We don't, we didn't understand 
things about neuroscience and the brain and addiction and have all these avenues that do have better efficacy than what they were using back then. And mm. it's, t it's starting to turn, but that ship is, it's a big ship to, to turn. It's taking a long, taking a long time, but it's still there. And so, like you said about forgiveness, being able to move forward and keep your energy where it is now, instead of putting it back on people, but giving them the understanding that they're human too. Yeah. And that's not, that's not easy. It's not easy to keep it in perspective. Your anger is valid. Feel it because you're human. Right. Shit hurt. And right. when we start to push it, that's when it, that's when it builds up. And I had so yeah. many emotions inside of me that it became a black hole. I had no inner dialogue other than something has to change. Something has to change. And that, but that was it. Like it was just, I was literally this, this slab of stone and nothing would get to me until it did. And then it was a big thing. And that's not healthy either. Yeah. That's extremely unhealthy. So yeah, bro. When you tuck the stuff away and act like it's not there, like it's it's going to come out in something else. And it's just yeah. brutal honesty about who you are and what you're dealing with. You know, that's that's man, that's that's not even step one. That's just mandatory. Like you have to say, Here's why I'm good and here's why I'm not. Here's where I'm killing you. Here's where you just gotta be real with it, man. And the comparison piece, the comparison to somebody you look up to who you think is better than you in this area, it'll it'll kill you because you're trying to reach something that you see someone else is, not knowing if one, they're lying or they're fake about it, but two, if they are there, mm. the work they did to get there, did they have the hurdles thrown in their way that you had? Or have they done a decade of self-work and you're just seeing the end game of it? Like the comparison just, it just doesn't matter. Like, um, I, I, you know, I'm, I'm a, I'm a real good dad. Like I'm a real good parent. I'm a real good husband. Like I'm really good at it. But bro, I can look at somebody and compare myself to somebody who doesn't have my issues or has more material wealth than me or is more patient. And I can just compare myself with everything I've done for the past 17 years of marriage, 13 years of parenting just doesn't matter at that moment because I feel like I suck compared to that. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, 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 you know, when you really get to meet the people that you look up to and find that you meet your hero, you find out they're great at the things you thought they were great at, but they suck at some stuff. You just assume they didn't suck at. And you find out you're great at those things. You start to realize, well, oh, when we all come on the same plane out here? You know what I mean? Like, not as bad as I thought it would. Um, you know, I mentioned, I said a minute ago, like in my story, just thinking about your listeners, like, I've, you know, I haven't been, my kids have never seen me drunk and I, I've never been drunk in my life. Considering your listeners, um, I, I want to clear that up because that comparison can come in from there and talk about that. My, my, I, feeling is that I'm on the other end of, of alcohol addiction. I, I paid for it as a child, right? And, yeah. and that's, that's followed me into these issues I have that. But I don't want anybody that had an issue with drinking to think that I'm a level up because I have issues that not only were dumped on me because of certain things, but issues I dumped on myself because I wouldn't deal with my own stuff. They have nothing to do with my dad um, that, I, that my kids got hurt with. So the I, I'm real big on anti-comparison because uh, we, you can just, there's so many factors you don't know when you're comparing yourself against somebody in that moment 
about why they're better than you, why you suck because of them. And none of that stuff is actually real in the end. It's just like, you're a human, you've got your situation, you've got your pros and your cons, and you know what you need to work on if you're honest about it. Comparing yourself to somebody who you don't know 99% of what their issue is doesn't help. Mm. Um, and I'm saying that because I need to get that every day because I do it. <laughs> <laughs> we, have a, we have a phrase that I've wanted to use a couple of times in coaching is, you coach what you need to be coached on. So if you listen to what you're coaching... Like, wow. that's what you need to hear. That's similar in parenthood. I parent my kids on some of the stuff that I need to hear. And when, I, when I'm when i going through it and I realize it, my kids are four and five, like, I'm like, oh, daddy's working on this too. So you guys, you know that <laughs> yeah. I'm not perfect. But I know yeah. one day they'll be going to therapy and they'll be like, my dad, he just always told us what he was working on. And it was really hard because I always had to work. And it was like... <laughs> It's going to be something, and that's okay. That's okay. Yeah. No, I mean, you're right. Like, I, you know, my daughter plays volleyball now, and uh, and she's she's doing really well. And I've told her, like, if somebody isn't doing really well and mess up, I was like, I said, listen, you cannot hold a grudge against them. You cannot walk in the locker room like, ugh, I wish you could. And whatever. I said, you got to go in there and serve them. And for, first of all, you forgive them whatever debt they owe you for missing the point or whatever. You got to let that go. And you can't walk in there like I'm better than y'all because I said you gotta you gotta be able to serve them. If you do happen to have a higher skill level, you now have to bring them up with you. Unless you don't deserve to be on the team, uh, you need to bring them up, and you can't walk in. So I'm trying to teach her forgiveness in a sports capacity while challenging her and keep rising too. Um, so, but that parenting, I don't even know if I would have that if I didn't go through what I went. You know what yeah. I mean? So yeah. yeah, I hear you, girl. You're right. And. You know, with the mental health that we experience and we talk about, like it's, 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 we talk a lot about it, but at the same time, we talk about it without actually listening about it. And it leads to a lot of people throwing things out there that, oh, if I, if I stop drinking, if I kick this addiction, all my problems are going to be solved. Right. It's like, right. Kind of like you're, you're talking about where, yeah, there was all this that was good, but until you dealt with the underlying stuff, that's what like took you to the next level, right? That's the same thing with drinking. I, it was, I was six years sober, six years not drinking, before I finally started to work on my mental health, before I finally, I was probably mm -hmm. seven or eight years, before I finally oh, wow. was like, what was the reason that I drank? Why did I drink like that? And I worked on my mental health and it, it's been a journey. It's been a doozy and it's not easy. But when you work on your mental health, that's when things in life, like you get this clarity and you get this, like it's as well with the busts and ghosts of your drinking past. So you can see the unicorns and rainbows of your future. Like I get to say that because I've been like, I, I just have this creativity now. I get this, like you said, like teaching, like I'm going to say silly stuff about really serious stuff because yeah. now you're going to look at it from a different angle instead of it just being like, I just can't. It's like, yeah, it's challenging. Yeah, it's hard. Doesn't mean you can't do it. it means that it fucking sucks sometimes. Yeah. And, uh, it's, and, but we can, we don't have to do it alone. And when we just say, I can't, it just stops us in our tracks. 
Yeah, right, right. Yeah, everything can be done. It's just the stuff, the stuff that require the, the stuff that we dream about that is the mm. most beneficial and rewarding. It requires more work than one admit, mm. and we just have to be willing to do the work. Like we all admire, like you know, high level athletes and executives that have done great things, and people we get, we admire the work that they put in to get there. It's the part that nobody wants to deal with, which is why there's such a select few. Um, so when it comes to just, I want to be healthy, bro, that's going to take work. It's going to take work. You know what I mean? Like we're on, we want health to be on autopilot. And if it was, everybody would be healthy. I mean, we got to, we got to, we got to really look at the why behind the why of why are most people not healthy? You know, what is going on? Why are we? Why is the cultural like shift and not cultural like nationality wise? Just wherever you are, is a drift towards unhealth, right? And in order to get healthy, you have to be extremely intentional to get that. Requires a ton of work, bro. Um, but I've I've often described like my own counseling journey as just like a really slow stroll that you just you know you put on the listen to the podcast. Uh, you know what I'm saying, and some music, and you just mm-hmm. walk real slow. And then the album's done, and you turn back, and you're like, crap, I walked three miles? Really? It was like five minutes. Mm-hmm. It's like that. It's like, I you just keep, you just commit, to, I'm just going to go. And then a year later, you look back, and you're like, I, I didn't realize we got here. I just, I held on to once, I hold on to one sentence per counseling session, and I don't, don't remember the other 59 minutes at all. Like, my man just be talking, I'm just walk, 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 in one sentence. Like, oh man, wow, I needed that. And I chew on that for two or three weeks. And that happens every single time. And then I turned around a year later and I was like, we really got far, bro. And I didn't realize until I looked back. And that's what health is. It's just a slow stroll of commitment to just stroll. And you look back, you make it so long. I'm at almost 10 years of not drinking. And congratulations, bro. Thank you. I had to start at day one. I had to start at one week, one month, mm-hmm. one year. You have to go through all of that to get to where I'm at. And I I look back, I'm like, how is it already 10 years? Like, geez. But it really does feel like that when you are, when you're growing and you're healing and you're just, all of a sudden you're looking back like, wow, I can't believe, like I look at, I literally just watched a video today that I posted a year ago on TikTok. And it was a really powerful one about, mm. honestly, we're talking about self-hatred and self-loathing and accepting yourself and self-worth. And it's like, I look back and I'm like, I remember that day. I remember what it felt like. And I'm so much further ahead of where I was that day that it's, it's unbelievable. And it's, it's something that you have to start with where you're at and not with where you wish you were like that is you cannot stop there that's and, that's really good and i got that talking to a friend we were talking about i think our coaching businesses and i'm like we just have to start with where we are not where we're oh we're talking about uh fitness talking about just getting <laughs> getting in shape it's like we have to start with where we are not with where we wish we were and it's, mm. so it's slower. You can't just get in there and start pounding out 300 pound bench presses. Like 
No. <laughs> yeah. Right. Not you got to build up to it. And the same thing, whether it's kicking a habit, whether it's stopping drinking, weed, drugs, fitness, everything. Yeah. That line works. And when you're honest with where you are, sometimes you don't even know where you are. Mm. And that is tough. But if you can focus on being where you are, it makes it a lot easier to start and then to keep that commitment going. Yeah, yeah, no doubt. I um, I don't know anything about neuroplasticity. Like I just just stuff I heard smart people like you say, and then I was with my friend in Nashville this week, and he told me some some, some research he'd been doing on it, and he told me some stuff. And uh, and and I want to get to that with this. I used to be at my personal conviction. I used to be very, 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 very heavily what I would call addicted to pornography, right? Um, so I just used to watch it like all the time. And this is prior to marriage and just prior to my fake journey and, and all that stuff, right? And, you know, look at it now as a escape from other things. Yep. But anyway, um, I, uh, for me, I, I didn't really drink. I smoked a little bit, but not like for real. So when I, when I was making decisions about changing my life, coming to faith, the stuff that w- didn't really have a grip on me, it's easy. Like I haven't, you know, didn't smoke, didn't drink. I just was gone that day. I went to get rid of my pornography material and I, and I'm actually, I'm preaching at my church on Sunday. I'm actually telling the story. I, I, I went to do that. And I remember physically not being able to throw them away, but desiring to throw them away. Um, and like my hand literally shaking above the trash can trying to throw this DVD away and break it. I couldn't physically couldn't, and I was fine. And I've never experienced anything like that in my life. And I was just like, do we think that funny? Because some people don't think pornography is a big thing, whatever. It's me. I wanted to get rid of it. And, um, and, and I remember saying, man, something has a, something in my wiring is off about this where I can't get away from it the way I want to. And it's not just as easy. Why don't you just stop there? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, and so over time, what I did is I, I convinced myself that I wasn't going to look at women a certain way. Uh, cause it was, it was really my, the way I divided women and everything I wanted women for came from informed from culture and music and, and that pornography. So I was like, I, I put some, I put some guardrails up in my life where I'm not going to be in certain conversation. I'm not going to make certain jokes. I'm not listening to certain music and I'm not watching certain things on TV or film. And if it comes on TV, I'm changing. And if it's in the movies, I'm looking away. And if they don't stop, I'm leaving the movie. I'm not getting free from it. Like I just, I, so my, I'm saying, all that said, I refuse, I refuse to watch sexual scenes in movies because they just, they don't add any value to the story. They're really just there just to keep you titillating. So that was really hard for me in the beginning. Now, I don't even think about it. Like, I just don't watch this. I mean, I watch a bunch of movies, but if something goes on, I nope, nope, I'm fast forwarding. I'm le- I'm like, no, 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 skip. Nope, I'm not, I'm not doing this. I've been in the movie. I'm grown man, bro. Been in the movie theaters. Something comes on, my hoodie's up. I'm looking down the ground, I'm covering my ear, and people look at me like, "Who's wrong with you?" I'm like, I don't care what you think, bro. I, I'm not letting this back in my system again. Yeah, and it's a lot easier. It's like a, it, it went from I have to do this or else to, it's just reflex, and I don't think about it. And I'm showing it to my son. I'm like, son, I don't want this in your system, me. You know what I'm saying? I want you to have a healthier sexual ethic than what the culture has. Um, and, and and what my friend was telling me about neuroplasticity, the reason I said all that was this. He said, um, and, and speaking to this, because I know you've done more research way more than me. It's just what he was telling me. He's a really smart dude. He was like, 
um, every 90 days, your brain cells are new. You know, like your brain cells reset themselves. And every time they do that, the thoughts and the processes you've been going through are a little more ingrained into the neural pathways you have in your brain. So that happens every 90 days. And then, so think about a year. Now you've been through that cycle three times. So if you keep doing the same things, uh, your neural pathways are starting to be reset with new brain cells saying this is the way you move in this particular direction. He said, so he said, when you look at the change of a person, he said, what the, what the latest neuroscience is saying, you know, three months, uh, three months, three times, three years. After three years, your entire neuroplasticity has been reset in this area. Uh, and you're a different person in this area regarding your thinking because you've been thinking the same thing for three years. And it, and it, and it just it sat with me about the slow, steady process of just today, I'm going to not do this anymore. And just today, I'm going to not do that anymore. And it just, it just kind of reset the, we'll be talking about this, allow yourself on the journey, slowly but sure. Mm-hmm. It, it takes a lot of, like, as much as alcohol is throughout all of entertainment and everything, mm-hmm. the same is true of sex and, you know, uh, just sexualizing people, period. So it takes a lot. And I want to give you props because that that takes that takes a lot of commitment. It takes a lot of setting those boundaries for yourself and following through. And like self care that's there too. So that's really freaking amazing. And I just want to say <laughs> I'm proud of you. And I appreciate you sharing that story. Um no problem. I could sit here and talk to you for like three more hours. Like this is already <laughs> I, I, this has been fantastic and I'm sure you'll be back on and we'll be doing some more stuff together but if people want to keep up with you what's the best way to do that yeah uh, all social is legend TV and legend is not E-N-D it's, it's Nigel backwards so it's L-E-G-E-I-N so legend TV no space on all socials Instagram YouTube all that uh, legend.tv is my website if you want to check that stuff out and I've also got a podcast called The Legend Podcast, and and we got a we got a movie on the way, a documentary we're working on it that that uh, will be dope. Hopefully, we're praying by the end of twenty twenty four it'll be somewhere really cool. I've uh, I saw the trailer and it is hype, so I'm <laughs> excited to see that. I'm excited to see it. So, Thank you. everyone, check out Legend, check out his music. Uh, I listen to it on Apple Music. Is it on available everywhere? Pretty much everywhere. Yeah, look up Legend everywhere. There's music everywhere. I had a new EP coming out January 26th. Uh, the single will drop November 3rd. It's called Higher. It's really dope. I love cinematic movie sound and stuff, uh, which is why I'm always moving through it. And, uh, <laughs> and it sounds like that. So it'd be really, it's really cool. Awesome. Awesome. I really appreciate you coming on and spending some time with us and giving a lot of great insights to people that they'll be able to use. And Absolutely. Uh, yeah, so this has been Untapped Keg Podcast, podcast where we talk about sobriety and mental health. Check us out, Untapped Keg everywhere, uh, one word on social media. And let's try to be better tomorrow than we were today because we don't make it. We tried. Love you, everybody. Have a great week.